Hello and welcome to the Diabetes Dugout with Brighty and Peachy, brought to you by the Diabetes Football Community. This is your regular dose of all things football and diabetes as we bring you the stories of those affected by the condition who have a love of the sport. Everything we share and talk about on this podcast is from personal experience and if you have any concerns about the management of your condition, you should always check in with a healthcare professional. Now, with all that said, let's crack on with the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Diabetes Dugout. Joining me, as always, the legend that is Mr. Blue Tick himself, Chris Sprite. Brighty, how are we? Hello, mate. This joke's going to be running for a while, isn't it, I think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I haven't got much else at the moment, I'll be honest. Uh, well, it might change on today's episode, but um, yeah, I'm quite... I mean, I'm all good, mate. How are, how are things with you? It's all right. It's um, a bit nice weather today. Here you uh, seen, seen your uh, social media clips, security cameras catching you, just happen to be out there while you're doing your keepy ups and <laughs> catching it on your neck and oh, uh, didn't see them there. Yeah, well, I didn't actually know it was going to capture it, to be fair, but I obviously I was messing around with the ball like, because I haven't had a kick of a ball for a few weeks. Obviously, I've had a bit of an injury, so it's been uh, been a while since I, since I touched the ball, so I thought I'd have a little kick and yeah. The, the cameras caught it, John, and yeah, I was I was messing around doing a few tricks. You know what I'm like, mate. It's uh, it's the way I play. It's the way I roll. Can't stop you. Hey, some have said, some have said. And how is that? How is the injury? Yeah, so we're we're moving in the right direction. Um, it's been uh, two, nearly three weeks now, so. I'm just coming back from a little bit of a hamstring tweak, so should be fine in the next week or so. Looking forward to getting back playing. Um, but yeah, it's been a little bit of rehab in the last week, um, classic strength and conditioning after letting it recover for the first week to 10 days where I wasn't doing too much on it, to be honest. I was doing a bit of cycling, doing a little bit of walking, but I couldn't do too much more than that. So yeah, good progress now though. So hopefully be back playing really soon. Excellent. And big weekend for women's football, the start yeah. of the WSL. Yeah, huge weekend for women's football. I did get to watch uh, one of the games earlier on today, which was um, the, I think it was probably the big curtain raiser really that Sky had probably used a lot in their marketing was that Chelsea Arsenal game, which was which is a cracker to be honest. And um, it's great to see the women's game being highlighted in such a way, you know, on Sky now and um, having that opportunity to to showcase the sport in in the mainstream and, and through mainstream media, such as using Sky. So um, obviously great for us as well at TDFC as we're, you know, launching the TDFC Women's Project and I've been working hard on that in the last few months. So I think it's really important and it's great to see um, exposure on, you know, through our perspective for what we want to do with that project as well. Of course, the uh, Euros are in England next summer for the women as well. So I've yeah. got, got my tickets for the final already. And there you go, mate. It's an exciting time for women's football. So um, just excited that we're a part of it as well with what we're doing for, for our projects and um, long may it continue. It's uh, been a long time coming to see um, a real emphasis put on um, 
I suppose it's probably like equalising football, isn't it? Really trying to level it up and put it at least in a place where we can we can talk about it and it's seen in in a similar way and has similar exposure to to some of the men's game. Um, it's got a way to go, obviously, but you know it's made huge strides in the last few years. That's good. Should we uh, should we get on and introduce our guests today then? Yeah, I mean, phew, what a lineup we've got today. Huh? Isn't it, mate? So, Again, um, did you hear guests plural? There's two of them, and we've gone big. We have gone big, and it's yeah, it's, it's two big guests, uh, two people who um, I think have had a pretty big impact on both us and what we've been up to, I suppose, at the diabetes football community. So, um, who are they then, John? Well, joining us today, we have two members of the TDFC community who've both represented their country, the Di Euros. Both were, both were diagnosed with diabetes later on in life. So we've got a really good experience of living life both with and without diabetes, combining managing the condition and playing a good level of football. And most importantly, it looks like their teams will be playing each other in the championship next year. Bryn White and Jack O'Brien, welcome. Oh, thanks for that, it's TG. Both. Great introduction. <laughs> it's great to be here, guys. Looking forward to it. Yeah, on thanks for having us. Episode. Just... Um, just before we we do it, just remind us if you if you're happy to, Bryn, who do you support? Sheffield Wednesday, all the way. The mighty Back on the up. <laughs> and uh, Jack, humour me. Who do you support? Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I am an Arsenal fan, uh, a suffering Arsenal fan at the moment. Uh, apart from today, like you spoke about the women's football today, I did actually watch the women's today uh, game against Chelsea. Really good game, three two win. So that was really good. But on the men's side, not so good at the minute. Not so good. Just just remind me again, was it Arsenal who were bottom of the league? Is that my, the sound wasn't great? <laughs> do, do you know what, PG? I, I don't know, because I don't usually check the league tables at least 10 games in. So <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't really looked at the league table yet. They, they could be bottom, they could be full. I don't really know. <laughs> All I know is we check the league table once 10 games are in. <laughs> You could no, still be bottom I'm after not, 10. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, then, you know, and then you check off the 15 on 20 and so forth. You keep going. You keep going. And so it starts to look the way you, you want it to look. Oh. And Bryn, Sheffield Wednesday, doing well. Yeah, Darren Moore's got us back, uh, got us back to playing all right football. <laughs> all right as it can be for League One. Um, but yeah, he's, he's changed the, the vibe around the club. Uh, is a is a very likable manager, so uh, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we bounce back for it sh- like straight away. But um, nah, it's, it's it's all right. League one, getting used league, to it. <laughs> look, league one's t- there's a lot of big teams down there. Sunderland, your Portsmouth, yeah. Ipswich, obviously Wickham, mighty Wickham. Yeah, there's a lot of teams that have in the last twenty years had a had a fling with the Premier League, and, but it's bad that we've not. Even, we've, it's twenty years now since we've been in the Premier League, so we can't even be really. In that category, I don't think uh, we've got to try and build back up towards it here. Uh, I reckon. I reckon they'll be up. So there's a few clubs recently who've gone down to League One and sort of gone up to Premier League quite quickly. So you never know. I think Leicester did it, Southampton, Norwich. They went down to League One and up to the Premier League pretty quickly, Bryn. So there's, there is hope. Oh, I've lost all hope. But uh, yeah, mm. cheers for the kind words, Jack. <laughs> are you just looking forward to the next five years of being an Arsenal fan, Jack? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. I, I suppose I've got to take hope from the fact that our transfer policy is geared towards the future, as we're being told. We've signed all of our players; we're 
under 23 player. So even though it's looking quite bleak at the moment, if if it all works out the way they hope it works out and these under 23 players start firing, then you never know. You never know in football. But at the moment, I've got to say, there is a lot of hope around the Arsenal fans. <laughs> There's not a lot of hope at the minute. Uh, and I, I went to my, uh, just, I'm a season ticket holder and uh, went to the Chelsea game a couple of weeks ago. So excited to get back over live football. It's been such a long time since going. And I think we was like one nil down after 15 minutes or so. And it just felt drained already. And it just kind of felt inevitable what was going to happen. But, you know, fingers crossed that it's going to improve. We, we've got Spurs coming up soon at home. So, yeah. I'm worried about that. 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 I mean, that could be top but bottom still, couldn't it? Let's be honest. Are we top? I don't, I'm not I sure. I didn't, I I didn't know, think you checked the league table, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, uh, you know, you've had a good start, so you could be roughly around the top. We could be somewhere near the bottom. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Jack's mm. not checking it. Peachy's checking it every five minutes. <laughs> so <don't laughs> Mate, you, you should see the number of screenshots I've got. <laughs> the, be- the best gag that I've seen about Arsenal is... Uh, um, I'm not sure how Arsenal are going to have their uh, goal of the month competition for the Premier League. <laughs> Yeah. For August, it's, it's bad. Training, it's a bad start. Training, yeah. isn't it? No, we, we we had a big win in the Carabao Cup, didn't we? We had a big <laughs> win in the Carabao Cup. Yeah, and that's a good start to the season. The you're, first you're, time we've been in that round of the Carabao Cup for, I mean, I think it's over twenty years. I don't think we've, we've started the competition at, at that stage. So even that felt weird watching us playing the Carabao Cup in August. It's just you're, very bizarre. Your first team beat West Brom under twenty three, didn't they? They did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, what a yeah. We, it was. I think it was. I think we was going for the confidence boosting victory, and then we ended up losing five 0 the next game. So it didn't really work out. But yeah, I think we tried to put a few goals away, hoping it's going to inspire us in the next game. But we run into Man City. Mm. Uh, I'd, I'd love to sit here and just talk about Arsenal for the whole podcast, but um, uh, I, I've, I, got, I, I've got I, a lot. I've got a lot to say, PG, as well. So, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think we need let's... our own podcast for that. One, yeah, so. yeah. Let's move it on. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Bryn. Um, Bryn, we I, I mentioned about you sort of having been diagnosed later on in life. What, what age were you diagnosed with diabetes? Yeah, I was uh, I was 18, um, 18, 19. So it's coming up to having ten years of the of diabetes, but it was uh, it was a uh, bit of a different diagnosis really I, I it was unlucky to get the diagnosis for sure but hearing stories of of, of other people in this team and and learning more about how people usually how it can end uh well it can it can start in a bad situation um i got i got quite lucky because it got detected via a, a blood test and i had an antibody and i, I was i was kind of told that i was going to become diabetic um and i, I fa- failed a like an oral glucose test but i wasn't I wasn't taking insulin. There wasn't like an immediate treatment. It was, you know, I was a bit, didn't believe it really. Um, but as time, like as a, as a year went on or so, I was, I was very rarely checking my sugars. And then I started to notice them, not notice them going up. Uh, and I started out on the, the, the smallest amount of insulin. You can imagine like a, like a pizza being one unit. And that just every month it would go up and it go up, it go up. And then it's like, after probably about two years, it was like fully, fully type one. So there was a, a period of time there that was just, it just kept changing. And then I, f- I feel, I felt, felt, uh, after, after a while of it being, uh, starting to get con- 
normal, uh, everyday replicable results, then that's when I could start to get a, a hang on it, I think. Um, but yeah, strange one. So, so in that time that sort of between being told you're, you're going to develop type one, did, did it give you time to, to research what diabetes was or did, did you sort of bury your head a bit and, and, and go, oh, this isn't going to be me? What, what was your, <laughs> your outlook on it? Yeah, it definitely gave, as you say, it gave me a chance to, to read up on it um, and learn about it. Um, but it, it, I still didn't know anyone else with it. And uh, so it still was quite a slow learning process. So, yeah, I didn't didn't meet another diabetic for for four or five years after being diagnosed. So it was, just, you know, it's a, it's a slow process learning by yourself. Um, but then, yeah, luckily now I got access to all you guys and and know a lot of, of load, lot of diabetics in the community. So that that's, that helps you learning massively. Yeah, I think that that, that bit's a quite a common thing there about people being diagnosed and then not necessarily knowing any other diabetics for for a long time what um what, what were your, your like your initial thoughts a, a, about being told you're diabetic and and having to do the injections and and, and any changes because obviously uh, in for me it, getting at that stage of life you're you sort of you're, you're getting used to becoming far more independent and, and 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 you've gone through all these changes you you're at the age where you you're going out you're you're socializing you might have started drinking and um and then all of a sudden you've got this condition that that, that you've you, you've got to live with so i i remember i remember the night i got kind of told like you need to start insulin i had we had like a, a big night planned in uni first year uh, and I, I was thinking I'm, I'm not i'm not ready to go uh, at the same pace as everyone else I was with uh, and just spent the night kind of just just in there in the club just thinking about it not, not thinking about anything else just being like all right it's, this is like I, I don't know what's going to change for me now and that was that was pretty scary I think I thought I was, was going to miss out on on the whole of, uh, of of the experience that people usually have with university and uh, um, so that was that was daunting but you, you slowly learn that you can do everything uh, that everyone else does and you just got to take more precautions and stuff like that. So, so it didn't, it, it, yeah, I wasn't, I didn't think I hid from it for too long. Uh, I felt like I just wanted to do, to do the same as everyone else. So just had to learn quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's fun. And if I, if I come to you, Jack, um, just, I, I remember the, the, the first session that we had as, as TDFC and you introduced yourself and you, you talked about, how you hadn't been diabetic for for that long and and i was it really um i guess blew my mind that someone that had in my eyes had been newly diagnosed was coming along to this thing and and i think you openly said that you, you didn't know a huge amount or not, not a huge amount but that, that there were still so many unanswered questions you've got so when uh, how long have you been diabetic yeah and uh... I was diagnosed, I think it's around three and a half years ago now. So it was just before uh, CDFC uh, was formed or just before the first training session that we had. Uh, I was diagnosed, it was around the new year. Uh, and I, was, I remember it's probably similar to quite a lot of people's story. And I was I kind of fell ill in December. It was nothing too serious. I just had a bit of an upset stomach for a couple of weeks and it was it was nothing too bad nothing that would keep you off work or anything like that it was just generally feeling a little bit ill and it just you know it just didn't really get any better 
it, it just didn't really get any better. But it didn't really get any worse for a couple of weeks. It kind of just moses along. And I, I put it down to the time of year being around. It was like December, January, cold. There's always little bugs and stuff going around that time of year. And I, I work in a school as well. So there's, there's always, uh, it's always a high risk time of year. But it just didn't get any, didn't get any better. And then I gradually started to uh, lose weight. And uh, I knew nothing of diabetes or the, the things to look out for. But now, looking back on it, I mean, I was, could not stop drinking, could not stop going to the toilet. And these are classic uh, like signs of potentially diabetes. And I had no idea of that at the time. And I actually didn't go to the doctor for about two, three weeks. I just, just steadily was getting worse and worse. The weight was dropping off me. Uh, it's quite a ridiculous weight. I think I ended up losing about three stone in just over two weeks. Wow. And I, I, I was, I was still eating constantly. I mean, I was starving all the time. I was drinking all the time, going to the toilet all the time. I didn't. I don't know why. Maybe in a way, you're kind of scared of finding out what it maybe is when you get to that stage. But I ended up. I think someone said something to me at work. They just said, "Oh, you know, you're feeling, you're feeling right. You're just, you know, you're looking a bit tired." Someone said it with you know, good intentions because I was. I mean, I was. I was exhausted all the time. I was struggling to get upstairs. And I uh, eventually went to the doctors and uh, I explained the symptoms. And they did mention diabetes then. I think this wasn't the first day. They said, oh, I could, and I, we'll, we'll do blood tests and we'll have a look. And I got the results back the next day. I, I, was, I was teaching a lesson at the time and my phone rang three times. Three minutes called, but I couldn't answer it because I'm in a lesson. You know? So I just thought, oh, just wait, wait, wait. But then, you know, you see three calls from a doctor and you know it's probably not going to be a good thing, right? You're thinking three minutes calls from a doctor on a Friday morning. Um, <laughs> and then, so the lesson finishes, I go out and call the doctor and he, and he said uh, that he think it is uh, diabetes based on the, the results from the blood test. They, apparently, they just told me that my sugar levels were very, very high at that stage. And he didn't tell me exactly what they was. He just said, basically, go to A&E, check in. But by this stage, I was feeling ready to go to A&E. And I was feeling really rough. I'm not sure why I kind of was putting it off. But I went into A&E. They did blood test straight away. And my blood and my sugar levels at that time were 35.7 when I got yes. into the hospital. And the, the, the nurse literally said, I can't believe you're still, you're still standing. So I can't believe you you managed to get here and you're still walking around. But I was like, I, I honestly don't know how I am, to be honest, how rough I was feeling. And uh, I think I was literally put straight into straight on, onto the hospital ward and I was there for four, I was in for four nights when I was first diagnosed. So it's quite a long time. I, I knew nothing of diabetes whatsoever, really, at all. I, I mean, I knew there was two types of diabetes and I had a, a basic knowledge of it. But in terms of, I, I was asking myself, why have I got this? How have I got this? Is it, is it something I've done? Those sorts of questions. But my first worry was sport. Am I going to be able to still play sport? And I, like, that was the first thing because sport has been a massive part of my life and being a PE teacher as well and thinking, am I still going to be able to do my job? Because my knowledge of diabetes was, was, was that low. And, and I think I was actually in hospital. I think it was like the second night. And I started looking at my phone, looking on Twitter, just to see if I could see any anywhere. And I think I've actually come across Chris I think he had, a fair, he had a few followers, even even back then he had a few followers. And uh, yeah, and, uh, and I think it wasn't too long after that, I see about a TDFC and I was I was thrilled to see it. I was excited. I couldn't wait to get involved. I was like, oh, when's this, when's this starting straight away? Because, you know, you don't, you, when you don't know much about a, a condition, the best way to find out more is by speaking to people with the condition and immersing yourself with people you know 
about it. Like, there's only so much the specialists at the hospital and stuff can tell you without knowing real life experiences. So as soon as I found out TDFC, I was like, I cannot wait. And that was you know, big for me to almost immediately being diagnosed to find in this community straight away. Like I kind of didn't really have any time where I felt uh, you know, too alone, you know, it's kind of like straight away uh, getting ready to meet diabetics and find out more about the condition. So yeah, that was, that was brilliant for me. Yeah. It was a timing, I suppose, worked out perfect. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned there about um, like you, you wanted to know if you, if you're still going to be able to play sport, what were, what advice were you given by, by doctors and nurses? Did, did you get any, anyone telling you no, or was there any, well, oh, you, you might be able to, or was it just a, yes, you can, but you have to be careful. They, yeah, a bit, a bit of a mixed, mixed messages, really. Some, some were saying that, no, it should be fine. It should be fine. And some people are saying, well, it may be not for, for the time being, obviously, that's why you're getting on top of it. And I think someone did say that you're going to find it quite difficult uh, to play to, to play sports. But the messages were quite mixed. I think that's why I was immediately looking online. I was thinking, ah, there must there must be a way. There must there must be a way. And and I think one of the first things I did was looking for any professional athletes with diabetes. Now you start looking for things like that. And yeah, but the messages I was getting at first were quite were quite mixed about it. So finding like I was like I said, seeing Chris on social media and finding out about other footballers particularly I was looking for footballers uh, with diabetes. I was kind of thinking, yeah. So I kind of felt quite positive. I didn't really get too down uh, around the time I was diagnosed. I kind of tried to really try to be as upbeat and positive as I can. But I suppose if I was diagnosed three or four years before that and TDFC wasn't, wasn't formed yet and there was nothing about that, you know, who knows where I could be today? Uh, and who knows what it could have been like for me the first few months of having diabetes and I kind of was diagnosed with diabetes and straight away and hope uh, that I could still carry on doing the things that I wanted to do so I was lucky in that that regards. No I'm, I'm glad you found us as early as you did Jack in your journey as well because I think from everything that I've seen and everything that I've learned from the people that we've supported through this project that we created a few years ago it's been massive for both people that have had the condition for a long time, but also those just coming to terms with it. So I think we've managed to sort of cater, I hope, for um, as many people as possible with as many different experiences of the condition as possible and everybody with different sets of knowledge as well. You know, some people have got, you know, been on lots of carb counting courses, might have had the condition for 30 years, and then others like yourself, Jack, stepping into it for the very first time, you know, a couple of months and you literally found mm. us within that that sort of time period. I, it, in some ways, um, I'm glad it happened, you know, at that point, you know, it was like fate for you that you, you know, if, yeah. like you said, if you'd have, if it had been a few years earlier, you might have found it even even tougher to, to sort of get around that diagnosis. But I'm glad we were there to, if you like, catch you just as you were falling, mate. So, um, yeah. And then I just wanted to sort of take it over to you, Bryn, and obviously connect it to how you were looking or how you found TDFC and what that first, you know, maybe interaction or involvement was like with the diabetes football community back when you found us. Yeah, I think it was was a video on social media that uh, someone had shared and it was you 
uh, Chris talking about this project, just saying a call out to say, you know, people get in touch with me if you're, if you're interested. I think I just saw the words diabetes and football and thought class. <laughs> and I remember, I remember having a call with you pretty early on going, what, what's this about then? And it wasn't really like a, I didn't know much at all, but I just got, got like, I remember having a call with you really early on. And I think that's when you mentioned the, that you had plans for like develop a UK, a UK team and, and all that. And I, I think I had an injury at the time, but I still wanted to get like involved in as much as I could. So I was at that first, that first session with, with like a toe injury. I don't think, I think I touched the ball once and thought maybe not, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, yeah, as soon as I heard about it, I thought, what a great idea. Um, and I, I thought it had potential, yeah. Yeah, I, rem- I remember the early early stages. I remember you for one session. I think you came and stayed at my house, one of the early think, ones as well. Yeah, I can see, I can see the, yeah, the sofa this, bed falls this, out this behind room, you, Yeah, yeah, this room you stayed in, one of those early sessions when we one were... the best night's sleep I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I remember the video as well. I, I created that video and put some money into it. I think I put some of my own money into it. I can't really remember, but it was, um, like you said, a call out because I was really keen to get us on the, on the sort of path of getting a team together to represent the UK at the uh, European Futsal Championships for people with diabetes or Euro as it's commonly known. And um, yeah, it was, I remember, you know, speaking to you, you were always one of the first people that really, wanted to help push the project alongside me, shared a similar passion for it. So, um, and obviously that's gone on to you doing extras and bits and pieces, which we're going to come on to in a bit as well. But I want, I wanted to hear from you as well, Bryn, around how that, that first session felt, you know, you talked there about a few years went by when you were, you know, you were getting to grips with diabetes and you hadn't really spoke to anyone. And then you came to this first session and you were surrounded by people with diabetes and also surrounded by people that shared that passion for football like you did. What, what was that like? Yeah, well, I remember uh, Jack saying that he'd only had diabetes for six months. And I think you were the, of all the, there's about 20 of us weren't there in the room. And I think that was the, that was the least amount of time anyone had had it. And so you had these uh, like, uh, like stories of people having it for 30 years, being professionals. And I, and I, and I remember Jack saying six months and I think it, it was just like you wanted to you wanted to tell him all the shortcuts or you just wanted to help him didn't you just so i think that there was that uh collective knowledge in the room that you could add up the years of the amount of times and and all the everyone had little different habits like seeing other people i'd never seen anyone take their blood sugars before and some people did it on like a different part of the finger to me and i was was like can you do that and like all these some people would like change the needle after every every injection some would leave it for a week <laughs> it was like all these mad <laughs> mad little habits that you pick up in there and and suddenly you just you just realized that yeah 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 there's lots of people with this condition and uh it was great that you you, got, you managed to get so many people come to that first session yeah it was uh, for me having put the time that i'd put into it and i'd obviously been away to portugal a few months earlier to sort of get a little bit of an insight around what it looked like understand a little bit more about diuro how projects worked around diabetes and futsal etc um it was just amazing to see everyone there and you know you can imagine from my perspective i'd set it up and i'm going i just hope somebody turns up so (laughs) um to see so many of you actually turn up and then and i've talked about it many times you know how you all left the room at the end in all the sports hall and and how connections were built you know bonds were created 
and you'd only met each other like three hours before. It was just, honestly, it's one day of my life I find very hard to describe, but just it's it's like magic. It was just something special. Um, and Jack, I just wanted to sort of understand from you really, you know, you'd just been diagnosed, you know, it'd been two or, you know, between six months and a few months since you'd had that diagnosis. And you've, you've turned up to this session and you're surrounded by people that have got this condition and you're just trying to learn as much as you can and soak it up like a sponge, I can imagine that point. What, what did it feel like? What was your, you know, your goals and your objectives, obviously having just been diagnosed coming to that session? Uh, it, it, it was very surreal. Uh, I, I remember just being in a bit, a bit of awe, you know, just of, of everyone, just like so many people who just like me, you know, were just sport mad, football mad, but also had diabetes. I mean, I, obviously we, we'd, we'd have like the WhatsApp group where we were speaking, but I'd never actually met and spoke to someone with diabetes or like what Broom was talking about, people just kind of uh, checking their blood sugar levels, you know, people just doing that and then people doing injected insulin uh, around you and that. And now it's, everyone was so comfortable. And it, in a way, it kind of, even once I got back from that and I got back to, to work and stuff, it, it kind of made me be more open with my diabetes, to be honest. And like straight away, almost I felt like eh, there's no, no need to hide this whatsoever. There's nothing to hide at all. Whereas for the first few months, and I imagine it would probably be similar for a lot of people in your first diagnosis, you do kind of feel a little bit like hiding it. Kind of feel like you know, like when I had to do an injection, I'd kind of go somewhere quiet and things like that. But it was just how, how comfortable everyone was, and uh, it, it felt like almost within five minutes, the banter was flying around the room. And I think some of you guys were having kind of like diabetic banter, which I didn't really get at the time because I was so new to being diagnosed. And uh, and I, I, what I learned a lot about in that first one was the honeymoon period uh, of diabetes, which because uh, I was obviously still right in that at that time i remember at the start period i didn't really have to inject too much with, with food i think Bruno was talking about uh it's like one unit for a slice of pizza and i was not not quite like that but i didn't have to inject a lot for, for food you know you kind of felt like two or three units would cover anything and i remember talking to people about that and then I think someone said i think we're talking about a food type of food it was something like rice and i can't remember who it, who it was but I said I would inject three units for that, and someone someone said they would inject about eight or nine for that. And I was thinking, whoa, that is the, you know, it just seems crazy. But then it's like, I learned about that, and then when I actually come out of the honeymoon period, I still always think about that first session, and, and I remember thinking at the time, now there's no way I'm going to have to inject eight units for this, you know, there's no way you'll have to do that. But being around these people, you know, listening to real life experiences was unbelievable. But yeah, it was just. It was, just, it was just how comfortable everyone was with each other. And I suppose for, for a lot of the other guys there, it probably meant a lot more to them because I can only imagine if you've been diabetic for, you know, 15 years and you've never played football with another type of diabetic, I can only imagine what a big moment that must have been for some of those people. And I kind of just felt like a new kid starting school for the first day, to be honest. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jack. I mean, it felt... It- for me, who had the dream and the vision and what I wanted to try and pull off, it was, oh, it was a moment, mate. It, you know, I when I went home and reflected that night after that session, it was, I, I don't know if, I can't remember if I got upset or emotional, but I've been upset and emotional since about how the impact that it had on me personally yeah. and obviously the impact that it's had, I've seen I've, on many others. You talked there about it, you know, making you open about your condition straight away. I spent 17 years hiding it. You know, I, mm. I'd spent, 
uh, a lifetime really of since that you know my, the rest of my the the life I'd lived up to that point with type one diabetes I'd hidden almost everything yeah. that I'd done about diabetes when I was around friends uh, not necessarily family but more like when you're out doing the normal things that you were doing whether it was at school or whether it was at uni or whether it was at football clubs gyms out for food all of that I'd be hiding it so for it to then be in a place where all of a sudden I was able to do my injection in front of people and I felt comfortable to share it as well it's just it was it was a moment that helped change me as well as uh, others and I'm just glad you know for your sake Jack you got that straight away you know your early education of living with type one is acceptance because you found people straight away you know some of the rest of us maybe weren't as uh, as lucky as that of finding others and you know I was diagnosed in 1999 you know social media was a long way off from that perspective you know even the internet was in its infancy at that point not many people had loads of you know computers weren't widespread they certainly we certainly didn't have one that we accessed the internet at that time so you know the the connections that you could build with other people with diabetes just just wasn't there but and that this is where I'm going with this is that around connections and you know building bonds and forming um, friendships people that are going to be like you we went to Dai Euro in 2018. Now you both went to Dai Euro 2018. So I'm going to start with Jack on this one. But Jack, what was the key thing that you wanted to get from going to the tournament? What was the sort of um, feelings you had building up to it? How how did it, you know, how, how did it come across to you? You know, you had this opportunity to go away with people with diabetes. You had an opportunity to represent your country and your new condition at that time in a tournament. And then, you know, you probably built an image in your mind. How did it play out when you got there? What was, you know, what was the big take-homes from it? Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, I, get, I, I felt lucky to be, to have found the group straight away when I was diagnosed. And it kind of in a weird way, it made that first year of me being diabetic quite exciting time for me. Whereas for most people being diagnosed with a life-changing condition like that, it can kind of be the opposite. But finding out about this and this potential going to uh, Bratislava for the diet, you know, was like, wow, what, like, what an unbelievable opportunity that is. And uh, um, I just, I didn't really know what to expect. I don't think any of us really knew what to expect going there because it was our first time we'd ever entered a team. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me straight away was how many nations there were there. So many nations. I thought, well, I think 16 or 17 nations. So many teams there with, with, with teams. And, and some of the teams were, like, some of the players were incredible players. And it was just, it, it was kind of like the first uh, TDFC session they put on a bigger scale. Uh, we, we got to the home, we got to the hotel. And I think all, most of the, if not all the teams are staying there in that same hotel. You're just walking around this place and it's just, different countries with their different tracksuits uh, track on and jackets on and everyone's there with type 1 diabetes. It's kind of, it was, I, I still don't really know how, how to explain it. It was a, it was a, a very odd feeling because like I said, you don't know what to expect. You don't know, if, is it going to be kind of just everyone there happy to be there? But it most certainly wasn't that. It was a highly competitive competition full of top class teams. But I think the moment that stands out for me the most and it'll probably be the same for all of us was hearing the anthem for the first time I kind of think that's when it really 
uh, hit in when the anthem played for the first time. I think we played Italy in the first game as well. So we not only did we have our anthem, but we had one of the best anthems out there playing as well. And, uh, and they really sing their anthem with some passion as well. So it was, kind of, it was amazing. Uh, my mum had flown out as well. She'd come out with her friend to watch as well. She was there for the first game. But yeah, it's all around just unbelievable experience. And I was lucky enough to do it again. So, but the, the, that, that first time is just something special. I was going to say that that first walk out and then you were greeted by the noise of walking mm. down that little corridor that it was out onto yeah. the court from the changing rooms. And then, like you said, how, how was that feeling? And obviously you've gone through a life-changing experience and a diagnosis of a condition, but then yeah. you're in another situation now, which is probably equally uh, life-changing and a different kind of experience, but hopefully in a positive way. And that must've yeah. just been such a weird feeling to have known that something potentially deemed as negative has then brought you something like that as an experience in life. Yeah. It, yeah. You're right. Exactly that. Yeah. It's an opportunity I probably never would have would have had if it wasn't for uh, the diabetes. And uh, so, I, yeah, I do feel very lucky. But just yeah, walking out on that pitch, I think there was quite a lot of people in attendance for some of the games. I remember Bosnia in particular had quite a lot of fans out there. For, they had quite a lot of people, a lot of family members over and stuff like that. I think we played, if I can remember correctly, I think it might have been Hungary. And they had quite a lot of people yeah. there. And there was quite an atmosphere. And it was, it was like something I've never experienced before because they was singing and chanting and, and really making an atmosphere and it was just I couldn't believe it you know you just kind of can't believe what's going on you're looking on you thinking six months ago I wasn't even diabetic and now I'm here representing the UK's diabetic futsal team in a diet and six months ago I had no idea this even existed I had no idea really what type of diabetes was and all of a sudden fast forward to the summer and I'm representing the condition and the country Jack, can I just um something you said there about how your your mum had come out to watch you. Did um what what was her um sort of thoughts and feelings about seeing her son go out there representing his country, but still continuing to play football, which he loves, having been diagnosed, like you said, less than six months earlier. Like I, I'm assuming as a parent myself, incredibly proud, but uh, have you sat down and spoken to her about how she found it? Uh, she, she uh, as you can imagine, was the proudest woman in the world at that moment. She would have felt like, you know, she was, she was so proud. And she was, the minute I found out about TDFC, that she was the first one I spoke to about it. She was pretty much the person who I lent on most for support in, in the early stage. Uh, so I remember it was actually... I told her about TDFC. I'm finding out about this and going up, and it was, it was up in Worcester, so it'd be a bit of travelling to get up there. And I was kind of, you know, I was still a bit nervous at that stage. I was in two minds whether or not to go at the time, just because I'd only been diabetic for a few months. I didn't kind of think I don't know if I, if, if I should be going to this. I'm not. I'm not sure if this if this for me. And she was so adamant that I go up to it that she was literally like, "You can't not go to it. What like what reason is there not to go? Love." playing football and it was futsal so it was it was kind of a new a new experience as well so she kind of was the one who really pushed me into it in the end to, to make me say yeah go for it so it was really nice to actually have her there supporting me but she was she was very proud that's for sure i hope you thanked her i have thanked her a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah i thanked her many times yeah <laughs> quality now and you were 
you were right with that game, that Hungary game. It's one that I, it sticks in my mind from the early, uh, that first tournament, because um, I was looking at the map and Bratislava and Budapest isn't that far in terms of no. traveling. It was, I think it was a couple of hours away. So yeah, yeah the, the Hungarians brought, I don't know, it was, it felt like, it felt like 500, but I reckon they probably only brought about 150. They definitely yeah. had a, a, a drum and they were banging that drum. Like, yeah. <laughs> the, the drum. Yeah. The drum. Yeah. I, it was deafening. You couldn't, you couldn't, I couldn't even shout to mm. players um, that were 10 yards away. They could barely hear each other. So yeah, it was, but that in itself, what an experience. You're not going to get that, you know, playing any game or, or going to any tournament. So to have it, um, in that environment um, for that reason as well it just felt I don't know it just felt amazing and special and because it had come around so quickly as well just looking back now it was you know it was a um, special time for us and I wanted to ask you about how you felt about it as well Bryn and obviously that was your your first tournament with us um, you'd obviously shown a lot of commitment to the project up to that point as well you'd really helped me and um given some ideas you'd even helped us with a little bit of sponsorship in terms of where you were in terms of your work at that time connecting people and then you got to go out there and play as well you know you'd helped set things up supported me in doing it and then you got to step out there and and on the court as well for that first time so what was the experience like for you what was your big take-homes from it oh yeah I felt like a kid like uh it, just before the tournament maybe a few weeks before it was the world cup and so you were watching all the World Cup matches and you were watching the, you know, this world like tournament atmosphere and you were just like, I'm going to go to something like this in a few weeks' time. And the football fever never stopped that summer. It was just like one after the other. Um, and yeah, I was excited to just spend a week doing nothing but play football, you know, and, and, and chatting, chatting diabetes in between. I think football was the main focus, wasn't it? Because we were so... We so wanted to to win, and we so wanted to like get that first win and do everyone proud. That football was the first thing, and, and football was all that was on the mind. And then diabetes chat and all that it just came naturally, didn't it? It wasn't forced at all. You know, the main thing was just to play as best as you can, learn the tactics. You know, as, as Jack said, we were learning a new sport really quickly, weren't we? So every training session that we had, even when we practice on like little patches of grass and stuff, you were just trying to take it all in. Uh, and it was just like it was just like being a kid again, weren't it? Like just learning, learning from scratch. And uh, yeah, it was it was one of the one of the quality things. When after the the competitiveness towards the end of the tournament, once that that subsided, you started to get to know the other teams. Because before on, on day one, going into that canteen, everyone was in their little teams, weren't they? And they were all, you know, you know, you were going to play uh, Russia and Italy and Portugal in our group, so we weren't mingling. And then towards the end of the tournament, we were there all together, weren't we? So that, that was that was quality at the end of the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And how did you feel? And what, what was the maybe the highlight for you on the court? Or what was your favourite thing that we experienced together playing? And then what was your maybe highlight off the court? I think highlight on the court uh, after the national anthem. The national anthem was great, but we sung it a bit too slow, didn't we? And we were all a bit annoyed about that. So actual, actual football, I think... Uh, the, the first goal we scored because we played Italy and we were really good against Italy. We played, we like, they were a quality team and we fought really hard against them. But I think we lost 3 0. And then the next game, I think we scored our first goal. And I think that was, that, that was the best, uh, 
feeling that we were actually had a chance of beating these teams, good teams as well. You know, there was all that chat around who was going to be the best and it felt like all like some of the best teams were in our group. And then suddenly we were like really in it. We'd scored. We had, we, everything we'd been training had, had, uh, had come off and we, we were able to, to compete. So, the, uh, yeah, and then I guess the first win as well um, against Romania. What a feeling. So, yeah, lots of good moments on, on the court. And then off the court, it was just how tight a bunch after one week, how these, they, these people that you haven't met that much after a week of playing football and, and hanging out for a week, we were all just such a top bunch. Like We got on so well, didn't we? And uh, we had a good night out at the end. And uh, yeah, just felt like it was a start. It didn't feel like it was the end. It just felt like it was the start of the project. So it was a good launch. Absolutely. Jack, what would you say? A couple of quick highlights on and off the court. Uh, yeah, I say, uh, I think like Bryn said there, I think I think he was mentioned this second game against Russia. I think it was the game where we, we, we scored. And I, I remember we was, Russia was being talked about as a team that a lot of people were fancying to maybe go all the way and win it. I remember that we really thought it was going to be good and, and we did really, really well in that game. I think they they, they won the, the game uh, towards the end, I believe it was a goal quite at the end. And that was actually the first game I actually got some minutes on it. Remember going out there and support. It, it was uh, that was a moment I'll never never forget. But also off the off the court, just you know, just going to somewhere like Bratislava, it's probably a city that I'd probably never go to, and it was such a beautiful place. And just to go to places like that and be there, be there with people I got on really well with. And I remember when I got back, actually, I did I missed everyone. You know, for the first for the, when you get back for the week, you, you really miss everyone. And you spent a whole week together, like rooming together no TVs in the room and things like that, you know, you've got nothing to do but sit around and talk and, and, and just try and kind of amuse yourself. I just, yeah, I just, that, that for me, it was so good, just being in Bratislava, being in somewhere, somewhere so, so different, somewhere I probably would never go to. Just, uh, all around, brilliant. Do you remember that darts competition in the room? I it do, like yeah. Soft, it felt like there were strobes there. Someone was DJing, yeah. and that was like evening, and that was... Yeah. Like, <laughs> These are the just, things you have to do to keep yourself entertained, but that... That was good in the same. It was little Velcro darts, weren't it? We got a, yeah. a few good competitions. It, that was uh, in my room, unfortunately. So when I did want to go to bed, it was hard to get shot on everyone, weren't it? Because I had the, uh, <laughs> the glow in the dark uh, darts ball there. Everyone went to play, but that was good fun. Yeah, and Bryn got the drew the short straw. He was he was sharing with me, so he was seeing me stressed out, trying oh. to manage the kit, trying to manage the, the the tournament discussions, and trying to play and trying to get involved in the management side of things. Oh, it's... Well, do you know what another, another stress was? We, were, we, we, uh, we all had the, uh, for a lot of us, it was the first time wearing a CGM that sent a, um, an yeah. alarm to your phone when you were going high. So, because yeah. we me and Chris were in a room, like uh, I was just panicking about my sugars going high, you know, disrupting the sleep and stuff like that. And I, I heard the alarms going off at one night and I looked at my phone, it wasn't me and it was Chris. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> yeah. I actually had no idea what CGM was before we before that. I remember we got them off Dexcom, didn't we? Just before we went, I I said six months in, I had no idea what a CGM was. I can't, I can't believe it. When we, even when we actually got them, I was kind of like, I don't really know what this device is or what, it's, what it does, but that was unbelievable as well, wasn't it? Getting those to, to wear while we was out there. But yeah, I remember just like what Bryn said, they seem to be going off a lot during the night. I think because we were so busy and active during the day, playing so much futsal and training so much, by the evening we were drained. It's quite a regular occurrence, really, hearing those things go off in the middle of the night. 
Yeah, 100%. There was a, it was going off in my room. I heard it go. You were next door to us, Jack. I definitely heard yours yeah. going off next they, door as well. So they was pinging a lot. They were, they were pinging, pinging away a lot. They yeah. were pinging a lot. But like you said, another really positive thing to come out of that is that you all got to try CGM and some people had never tried yeah. it before. So that's a, it was a big plus. It was a huge part of um, going away. And I think people learned a lot from having that just stuck to them as well and, and being able to see their blood glucose levels for I think it was 10 days I think the the CGM that we were using lasted for so yeah I'm at, so many positives from Diura we're going to talk a little bit more about Diura 2019 in a bit and you'll talk with uh, Mr Peach who's got who shares that experience with you around that but the, for the time being boys we're going to take a little break from the the diabetes related questions and diuro and um, your experiences to have a bit of a random chat with mr peach and do 90 seconds of questions so peachy who have you picked for 90 seconds of questions it was it was a tough one they um had a little game of stone paper scissors before Bryn came out on top and he's decided to nominate jack for the 90 seconds 90 seconds of questions here we go question jack just First, first answer that comes into your head. Don't need to explain it. Just need to give an answer. J- just an answer. Okay. No, just no an answer. I wonder. I wonder what the first question might be. Oh, here we go. We, oh, <laughs> I've been waiting for this. Been mm. waiting for it. Absolutely mm. delighted. Do, that do, we've got do I have to answer every question? Is, is yeah. that also a rule? So there has to yeah. be an answer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I, no and sitting I've, on the fence. No, no fence sitting. No, no, we don't do fence sitting on the diabetes dugout, Jack. It doesn't no, certainly don't. No. And so, uh, I've rewritten them as well. So there's lots of new questions in here. The time is ready. So you tell me when we're ready to go then, boys. Right. Let's go. First one. Tottenham or Celtic? Tottenham. Good answer. <laughs> Sky Sports or BT Sport? Sky Sports. Uh, your club winning the league or England winning the World Cup? Absolutely my club winning the league. Easy question. Uh, favorite fast food outlet? Uh, Subway. How many pillows do you sleep with? One, very thin. Uh, first thing you'd buy if you won the lottery? Oh, uh, I, I think I'd go house. Nice house. Have you got a karaoke song? Uh, I don't actually have a karaoke song. It'd be something Oasis thing that I reckon if I, if I was pushed for an answer. Good. Um, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Uh, I actually wanted to be a rugby player when I was younger, believe it or not. That was my first passion in the sport. Do you believe in aliens? Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. Grealish or Lingard? Oh, Lingard. Lingard. <laughs> uh, first Lingard. concert you went to? Uh, well, I think it was a Chase and Status concert. I didn't really go to many concerts when I was a bit older, so it was, it was a Chase and Status concert. First job you had? Uh, I was a teaching assistant. Uh, book you're currently reading? If uh, you I just read. thought, yeah, I can't believe it or not. It's not the Premier League table as well. I've actually <laughs> started reading the Harry Potter books. Nice. I read them when I was younger and I've just decided to read them again. Timer. The oh. timer. Go on, do you want to finish ah. your start so you can finish, John? You know what? I, yes. I'm not going to do that one. I'm going to finish on this one. Messi or Ronaldo? Uh, Ronaldo, Ronaldo for me. Yeah, controversial that one because I know most people link to Messi, but I am a Ronaldo man. Nice, Re- really like your answers there, Jack. Especially your first one. 
gone, gone yeah. up in my estimations. Well, I, you know what? I, yeah. I, I, I know a few Spurs fans and I like a few of them, you know, so I, <laughs> I, I don't actually know any Celtic fans really, you know, so it's like I'll, I'll give it to Spurs just because I do know a few good, good people as Spurs fans. Would you class a Celtic fan as someone that wears a top Celtic top occasionally or someone that actually supports them? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a tough one, Celtic, yeah, because they kind of have a lot of half fans, don't they? I think because they're based up in Scotland, they have kind of a few people who like Celtic, but they're not really Celtic fans. They just kind of follow them now and then. They watch the old fan games, basically. I'm not talking about those people. I'm not talking about the people who just watch the old fan games. I'm talking about the, the, the full-on Celtic fans. I don't know any of them. They might be lovely people. There probably are lots of lovely people, and I do apologise. But living in North London, I do know a lot of Spurs fans. And yourself, Peachy. Well, yes. I, I like uh, a lot of them, and there's you, Peachy. And there we go. Yeah. I like it. Right. Let's um let's get back on with the serious stuff. So what um one of the things we wanted to talk about was TDFC London. Um I want to come to Bryn on this. So on the back of Die Euro 2018, um, you'd come up with this idea of having a, a, a TDFC uh, team, but based in London and entering um, one of the local futsal leagues. Talk me through um, your basically your, your, your thought process behind it, what, what you had to do um, and, and basically how it came about. Yeah, well, I think one of the big uh, one of the big inspirations for it was was came at Dyer a bit. Um, the winners of that tournament were Bosnia, and they were they were unreal. And like the more you talk to people and like you, how how they got this good, people said that they had a, a team and they played in like a quite a high division in Bosnia, and so they were playing every week, and it showed they were just such a good team. Uh, and it's just there was there was a, a few of us uh, that were living in London at the time. Jack, the uh, proper Londoner. And it just talks were happening while we were down there that we wanted to continue playing and we wanted to to try and uh, enter a league. So there was uh, there was the idea that came from that and, and a few few members that, that were ready to get on it. And then it was just a case of just uh, just advertising. It's similar to how Chris, uh, with his, when he started TDFC, um, needed, needed a logo. Luckily, Johnny Ross a very creative guy. Does an amazing job, and he created as a logo and uh, just advertised and, and managed to find a few extra players based around London. Just basically got the bare bones that we needed to start the start the project off, uh, and and also had um, got a place in the London Futsal League at the time. And they they've always really uh, liked our idea, and they're always trying to help us as well. So uh, they gave us a spot in the league, and we managed to. To start, maybe, I think it was probably about six or seven months after Diero that we were playing like a few friendlies. Uh, I remember playing like a, an FA People's Cup tournament. That was one of our first tests, and we 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 were pretty decent. Pretty so, well. yeah, yeah. We, there was a few players that we'd, we'd we'd never met that came down, and, and again, we just had to trust. You know, you knew a little bit about their their experience playing, but we seemed to gel quite quickly. Um, and then the first game of for TDSC London was a disaster. <laughs> it was it was it was a shock to the system. We played uh, was it Haringey, and yeah, they Haringey. they had some unreal skillful players, and they just they just messed with us, didn't they? And that, but I guess that spurred us on to try and uh, improve. And uh, 
and we we yeah later on in the season we we managed to to get them back and overturn. I know Chris came down for that match, and uh, yeah, so it showed the the progression. But yeah, it was it was London's a good place to to start because you've got so many people. You've got quite a big catchment area, um, and yeah, it was probably yeah a good place to start. And hopefully, this will be a case study, and we can replicate it in in other cities in other areas across across England and, and the rest of the UK and stuff. So hopefully, uh, yeah, we can show that it works and that it builds a local team where not only do you play regularly as TFC London, but you, you, there's little offshoots. So like we've got a WhatsApp group and some will be short of a player and they'll post, is, it, is any of you guys around? And they'll, they'll go and play. And so it's not just the, the team, but just the general uh, network that we, we've, got, we've got going on. What, what was your what was your aim when um, setting up? What, what did you want from from TDFC London? I think I think it was to show that we could compete against non diabetics, uh, which is another level of showing that there's no difference in a way. So I think it's 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 great to beat Romania uh, diabetic team and 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 have that competition. It is really competitive. But then to you know to play against non-diabetics, it, it, people look at it a little bit differently, don't they? They say, you know, you've got you, it. Really has to show that you're good at good at football to to win the matches. So I think it was that that angle we wanted to try and do, but also wanted to uh, feed the the national team as well. So the idea was that if by playing regularly, we could send two or three players, maybe more, to the national squad. And we they'd have a year of futsal, regular futsal behind them, uh, that they could come and you know when when we do the Worcester sessions and we we play in a certain way as the UK team, we try and copy that in the TDFC London team and and try and come with a bit more preparation. So part of it was trying to build on the position that we got at Diet Euro and thinking how can we how can we start to climb that table and get finish higher and higher. So that was also the thinking. And, and and you mentioned there about about other teams. So did you ever ever get any comments um, from other teams about like w- were you openly um, sort of scanning in front of in front of the opposition and, and were they aware you were diabetic and and was was there ever any comments positive or negative from from any of them? Uh, I think <laughs> negative probably probably not, but we were definitely known as the diabetes team. <laughs> like it we'd be called tdfc london because people know the tdfc brand but i think a few times in in meetings and stuff we were just re- referred to as diabetes team or you know like that so we were definitely labeled uh which it, we didn't know whether that was a good or bad thing it just happened um at least it was raising awareness when we were doing well um in that sense so it that was yeah we, we don't really know it's hard to know whether that's a good or bad thing but um, positive. I think there was a lot of positives with with yeah helping to you know we we won a few matches we won quite a few matches and uh, and that that definitely raises eyebrows and I think one of one of one of the one of the most amazing moments was we played um, there was another team in the league and it, they called Barnet uh, DFC and I didn't know until we started the league that that, that was an entirely deaf team as well. So we had this London Futsal League that was about eight teams and one team was fully diabetic and one team was fully deaf. And it just, that was, it was like they would, you know, they would have the same 
goal as us to to challenge uh, perceptions and and we played each other and I just thought you know this could this, should, this could be a a good story you know like that we're both we're not play that by beating play, playing a deaf team and uh, and uh, competing against the, the the same level so yeah there was a there's a lot of good things going on at the London Futsal League like that um, it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Just one, one, one point for me, sorry, uh, on that. We, we got a lot of positives about our kit, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I actually actually posed for a picture in the kit for someone at one point. They really liked the kit. They thought the kit was amazing. So that's one but, thing that stood out for people. I, I, I mean, I'd imagine it was just you they wanted the picture of, Jack. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. But, but I, was happy to to I was happy to pose anyway, as <laughs> you can imagine. I was happy to pose anyway. But they asked him to put a paper bag on his head, so it must have been. The kit. this down. I tell you, the kit, the the idea behind the kit was obviously the the blue ring diabetes goes across the chest, but uh, the away kit's a bit like Marseille, so it's like white yeah. with like a light blue, and and uh, that's the home kit, and the away kit's like uh, Boca Juniors a bit. It's like it's like that navy blue with the blue stripes, but yeah. And we had a good logo as well. Did, uh, did Rosser oh, design the logo? Yeah, Johnny Rosser did a yeah, top job. Excellent. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, we, we, we looked the part, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. it was... That's all that mad, weren't it? That's, that's <laughs> 90% of it. That's 90% of it. There we are. There you go. Okay. Peachy, for anybody watching it that's going to be seeing it on YouTube, there is a picture. John, you need to talk for it to appear. It's... um Here they are. Modeling, there it is. Modeling the, the kit. kit. Mm. Look at the colours. It just works so well together. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, um, we could just focus on this for the next half an hour. Mm. So if anyone's interested in coming down and looking good for an hour a week, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know where to find us. And, and, in that, and in that picture, I noticed that there was myself in there and there was a couple of other ringers from outside London that we brought that, were, that came down for a couple of games. It was... Um, and one of the... The one thing that does stand out to me, Bryn, is the thing, the one of the games that you highlighted there was playing against Barnet Deaf Football Club, you know, and playing and being on a court where we were basically both teams looking to achieve a similar outcome, you know, fighting against stereotypes, stigmas, proving that our condition doesn't stop us from doing things, do, achieving playing sport. And it was something that, yeah, it really stood out to me being involved because I played in that game. I played in a couple of others as well. And obviously it was great for us to get some results, um, played in us getting a couple of results, played in us losing as well. It was it was all a great learning curve, I think. And, and like you said, it was a great opportunity to get people regularly playing. And um, it's something that we, you know, we want to keep growing, isn't it? So what is the... What's your plan at the moment, then, Bryn and, and Jack? Feel free to chip in as well at this at this point. But where would you where do you want to go with it at the moment? What's what's coming next for TDFC London? Oh yeah, so next Sunday we are playing our first game in our second edition of a slightly adapted futsal league. It's 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 just for uh, North London this time round. Uh, that the London Futsal League have split into a North Division and a South Division and they've shortened the format. So it's just, uh, it's going to be about six teams, which is is quite good in a way because we can just get people to commit to a short amount of time. It's always hard getting people to come away from the clubs that they're playing for already. 
or, or if they're playing on a Saturday, getting them to play on a Sunday as well, something like that. So six weeks, it's a short commitment. Uh, and we're going to be playing um, from next Sunday to the end of October. Uh, and that'll be a good test to see where we are. Uh, so what are the dates, Bryn? Just say the dates out loud. So it's the 12th of September, yep. and then it'll be every Sunday morning for five to six weeks uh, up until the 23rd, 24th of October. And then should we be uh, top, we go on to like the final stay or first or second, then we'll play in a, a four-way competition with the South League as well. So that that that's on the 30th of October. So yeah, potential to, to be playing for the next six, seven weeks. Um, and where yeah. where can people go to get in contact with you, Bryn, around the project, or how can they help? You know, what what sort of support or help do you need at the moment uh, to get this going and, and progress things as well? What 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 are you aiming for next? Yeah, we, well, what we want is as many people as possible to to get in touch with us. Uh, it, regard like forgetting about level of experience or. How, how old people are we want as many people to get in, in in contact with us as possible within the next six weeks because the more people we've got the more leagues we can enter the more teams we can create uh women's team we re- i really want to get that going in the next few years as well so yeah just if you're just interested in supporting us or playing for us or or, or sharing uh, sharing some of the clips that we'll be put, putting up, then then please do. And, and to get in touch with us, we've got a Facebook page and a Twitter page, uh, so, and that's the Diabetes Football Community London. Um, also, just if, if you you can also go through the Diabetes Football Community, uh, and and I'm sure when you guys will put us put 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 you through to us. Um, there is an email tdfclondon19 at gmail.com. Um, but they're, they're the main ways you can get in touch. But with the other 18 taken before that, then? What's that? With the other 18 email addresses. Oh, it was taken a nightmare, John. That. It was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> well, actually, John, I think it, TDFC, TDFC London 19 is because it was established in 2019. So yeah. I, think there was, I think there was plenty of method in, in Bryn's uh, moment of madness creating the email address. That's, and that's the story that. That's the story we tell people after 18 <laughs> failed attempts here. Um, and then I just wanted to ask you, Jack, obviously you're involved as well. Uh, Bryn's been kind of the lead on the project. Bryn's been doing a lot of the organising and, and driving the project in terms of leadership, if you want, at the top, trying to uh, help organise, set things up, get team in. Uh, liaise with the London Futsal League but I know you're heavily involved with that side of things as well supporting Bryn and getting involved in it as well so what are your hopes and aims and what are you hoping to get out of the the next steps for TDFC London uh, yeah I, I mean I don't want to take really any credit away from Bryn really because he does pretty much everything he's, he's been fantastic with TDFC London I kind of just help out on match days Really, I think Brid Brid appointed me the captain last last year, so that was a great honour. They're leading out the TDFC London team, first of its kind, so that was brilliant. Uh, and one thing that really stood out to me last year, playing it for the first time, was I've my only futsal experience was was with the TDFC UK team, and obviously going to Bratislava, we didn't play that many futsal games. We was only really doing training with ourselves. This was the first time I actually played futsal consistently against other teams who also are futsal teams. They're not just five-a-side teams. They're actual futsal teams. And it's tactically a very different game to other formats of football. But 
you know, you can pick things up quite quickly. And the best way to pick things up is by just throwing yourself in and giving it a go and playing. So kind of echoing what Bruma's saying there about anyone, any experience, no matter what, do definitely come down and give it a go if you want to give it a go because you can learn learn very quickly. And between the few of us on the team now, we've got you know quite a little bit of futsal experience while we're, we're learning, we're developing. But for me this year, it's quite a big year for me because I'm actually changing positions uh, for, the, for this year for futsal. I'm actually going to, move back in between the sticks this year and going to try and become a futsal goalie. Uh, so I'm quite excited and nervous for that at the same time. But so I'm going to try and get my head around that. I've been doing a lot of just, just looking online about being a goalie in futsal because it's very different to being a goalie in other uh, forms of football. Uh, I've been told by a few people that I've kind of got a, a, a decent frame, a decent size of being a futsal goalie because it's smaller goals. It's more about reactions so I'm just looking forward to, to starting a new position, but just learning more about futsal still all the time. This is, again, it feels like a long time, obviously, with the pandemic and everything closing down. It's a long time since I've played any futsal. So I'm really excited to get back playing futsal again and trying out a new position in guard. That sounds sounds good. And um, I think just just sort of linking on from that, um, Euro 2019, so if I come to to you first, Bryn, um, to to start with, Brighty had, had announced there was a, a group of six players who were going to be going, um, and, and and yours was one of those names. And um, I, I I didn't really know you that well um, at, at that point, but I, I'd seen you at a few sessions. Um, really pleased for you. We, we'd spoken on the phone a few times about um, sort of. Uh, sponsorship and, and and things like that um and then you, you you posted a message in in one of the groups saying that um that you're gonna have to drop out what what, what happened yeah i picked up a uh a knee injury um and it was only we were the squad was that initial squad announcement was only five or six weeks before the tournament so for the first few weeks i was hopeful uh but then it, it quickly became apparent that it was going to be a, a more long-term thing. So unfortunately I had to drop out, but, um, but it, glad that other people got to experience that, the, the dire year feeling as well. Like uh, I was excited to, um, that someone, someone that hadn't been before was going to, going to experience that. So that was a silver lining, I guess, but yeah, really good. Um, I think with everything we did at uh, CDFC London, it would have been nice to have taken that, I think I improved as a, a futsal player a bit, uh, a little bit. <laughs> uh, it would have been nice to try out, try out uh, those those learnings. But but yeah, it was a injuries are tough, and I've I've still not really. Um, I've had, unfortunately recently done my ACL, and it's going to be a, a long a long time out. So I'm just trying to uh, fill other roles, I guess, to try and keep myself involved in football because it, it can be hard watching other people play while you're out injured. Um, but I'm trying to uh, find other things to do within the football community to to keep myself uh, engaged. It's, it, yeah, it's interesting you you saying that about wanting to um, sort of keep keep being involved. For for me personally, I mean, I've I've had eleven different operations, and oh. for for pretty much each each one I've had, while I've wanted to get back, and I, I've I've found my frustration at not playing has meant that I, I don't want to be involved at, at, at that point. And it's like, well, 
if I can't play, this is my chance to have a break from it. So it's really, really interesting then hearing hearing that side of you, of you wanting to to still be involved. And I I, I love that. And, and I know that so many of the lads value what you've done and and, and yeah, TDFC London is incredible. And I, I hear you can you can still make it as a goalkeeper. You don't have to move much then, do you? Well, that's why, well, that's, why put, that's why we've put Jack there. Nah, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I, I, Don't try I, and nick my job, Brent. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> uh, I, I think, uh, um, I think uh, that I'll probably be avoiding the goal as well. Yeah, I think it's best to keep it. I've got uh, hopefully surgery at the end of this year, so just trying to keep keep it as intact as possible until that point. Um, but yeah, Jack's, Jack's a better keeper than I'd be, so I won't even <laughs> I won't even go there. And then back, back stronger. Euro 2023 2023 that's that's the calendar I've done, I don't even have a calendar for 2022 <laughs> I'm just I'm just you know it's 2023 for me all the way yes. uh, yeah we, we look forward to seeing you there that's it cheers <laughs> <laughs> and, and and Jack so um Ukraine your second tournament yeah so you, you're going away for me it's my first one so you, you were one of the ones who I was sort of looking to for I guess advice and 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 asking questions. How was what, what, how was the 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 experience for you? Was there any any big differences you found from from the first one to the second one? Uh, again, being in Kiev, it's probably somewhere I, I probably wouldn't have gone to if it weren't for this. So that was a, a massive a massive bonus going somewhere like Kiev, experiencing playing uh, sport somewhere else like that where. Uh, the one thing that was probably slightly different, there was less teams this time, but it didn't mean that the, the competition, there was less quality in the competition because the teams that was there were all fantastic. I think every single team there was very evenly matched. So we was in a group, I think we played four games in our group, didn't we? And uh, yeah. again, we had, a, we, had, we, had, we had a very, very tough, tough draw, but we did really well in all the games. So it, it kind of, it was similar to Bratislava. I, I, I kind of think, Maybe we got a bit, we got a bit more unlucky in Kiev. I'd say I think I think Bratislava for the first time, I think a couple of things went our way in games, so we managed to get a few wins. Whereas this time we didn't actually pick up a win. But I think three of the four games, you could definitely have argued that we deserve to get at least something out of the games. I don't know if you remember the uh, the double header we had oh. against. Uh, I think it was Slovakia first, and Slovakia, yeah. I mean, we we walked away from that with one point, and it was kind of like. It's incredible. I mean, we conceded two goals in two games, but only got one point, which is pretty much unheard of in, in futsal sometimes. I mean, it's usually quite a high-scoring game. So it's, we defended pretty well, just couldn't score. It was a mad day. I think we, can, we conceded two shots as well in a whole day. Yeah, yeah. that it was it. Like we, that... we absolutely did not deserve to lose at any of those two games and we walked away uh, with one point somehow. And I remember just thinking, I can't, can't believe that's happened. And that was actually, I, my mum come again that year. My, yeah. my younger brother come that time as well. So they were both there watching it. And that was the, that was the day they was there. The day they was there for the double header. That was quite lucky, really. We didn't, we didn't know how the fixtures was going to work out. Just like the day they was going to be there watching the fixtures was the game we had, the day we had two games. And uh, uh, my brother said the same thing. And he wouldn't lie, my brother as well. <laughs> you know, He's he seen me play football many times. And if I've had a shocker, he will say, you. you had a shocker there. Or, or, yeah, but he, he was kind of in agreement. So I thought it wasn't just us feeling that way down there on the uh, on, on the pitch. Because sometimes you can get a, a different view 
of the game when you're down there. But I thought, again, we did really well. We did ourselves really, really proud again that we just got unlucky this time. And and that, that one of the images that um, sticks with me from the, the photos we've done was you celebrating yeah, one of the goals yeah. leaping yeah. off the subs bench. Yeah, there's, there are two pictures, aren't there? It was in the same, in the same uh, celebration. I, thought, I don't know what happened there. I think that was the... Uh, it was right at the end, wasn't it? We equalised. I think it was... Uh, we'd already lost 1-0 to Slovakia, which yeah. just felt really unlucky. And then we was 1-0 down against Ireland. And again, it just... I think I couldn't believe that we was one hill down. We, we played so well. I think I'd just come off at that stage and I actually missed quite a good chance. Uh, it wasn't It wasn't a, a sit I mean, but It's not it, like I, you I to miss chances, better. is it? Well, this is it. I'm known for being very cynical, uh, PJ, as you know. <laughs> but uh, uh, usually if there's a net in front of me, it will bulge. After I, but this, this time it didn't happen. I, I, I struck it straight at the goalkeeper and I think, I literally went off 30 seconds after that and there was only a couple of minutes left. And then uh, I think if it served you right, Chris, I think it was you. Was it you Toby. down the wing cutting it back to Toby? Uh, no, I think Scott played, a, I played across to Scott. Scott played a long ball yeah. into the corner, found Dingy. Dingy yeah. cut it back for Toby to tap it in. Yeah, it was just, uh, that was probably my uh, most exciting I've ever got in my football, football career, futsal career. I don't think I've ever had a feeling like that, to be honest. It, 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 you know when you feel like you really deserve something and it's just not coming? And you think, oh, this is going to happen. It's not going to happen again, is it? And then when that car went in, I don't know what came out to me. I've jumped higher than I've ever jumped before. Uh, and the camera got me in midair, pulling a very silly face. It was. It's a special photo. I have that photo somewhere. And it yeah. comes out a few times. I wish they'd have made a gif out of it. It would have been a brilliant gif. It, it, do you know what? It is made for a gif, isn't it? That it is, is made for your a gif. Rea- if, mm. Your reaction, is, I think it's on a video somewhere as well. Mm. It is it's two it's GIF, feet in the air. It's gif ready. It's full leap. It's like, yeah. ah, give it is literally, yeah. you've lost it for a minute. And that's the best yeah. thing about it is you've literally got so excited. Yeah. You've forgotten that you're not even allowed on the court and you've run on no. the court. I think you got booked for booked. it. Yeah. Uh, it's not books. very often yeah. subs get booked for their celebrations. <laughs> you managed no. it, Jack. No, no. Uh, it was worth it. I'll say that. It was worth it. I'm uh, glad you didn't already have yeah. a booking. That would have been. I, I remember, yeah, they come over and he'd he, he give me the yellow card. I was, I was really confused. I didn't know what I was getting the yellow card for. And I didn't even know if it was for me. And I kind of turned around and I, I think JT was was there and he, and he, he knows futsal very well. And I said, is that for me? Is that yellow card for me? He said, yeah. I said, why? Because you jumped on the court. I was like, oh. <laughs> it's because you, it's cause you blacked remember. out. It's because you <laughs> yeah. blacked out, Jack, and ran on the court. Yeah. I think I denied it to the ref. I said, no, I didn't. And then I obviously look back at the picture and there's no getting out of it, is there? <laughs> no, no. Oh, they caught you, mate. They definitely got you. <laughs> yeah, they caught me in the act. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Uh, well, Guys, it's uh, it's an absolute pleasure to talk these, you know, talk for all your experiences. And for me and Peach, is so much nostalgia in hearing you both talk about TDFC London, the Di Euro tournaments, those first sessions, and how you all came up. Your journeys have come around for uh, being with the Diabetes Football Community. But we're just coming towards a close now, and we always finish off with some questions from Mr. Peach to. On this occasion, it's going to be Bryn. We've already put Jack through the mill, so it's going to be Bryn on these final questions. And so over to you, then John and Bryn. Bryn, Bryn, I've um, 
again, I've redone some of these questions. So now greater choice between one and 32. So you've got to pick three numbers. Give me your first number. Uh, let's go for seven. Seven. Um, what three items would you take with you if you were stuck on a desert island, not including insulin or any hypo treatments? So three Ooh. items. Have to be a bit. Have to be a maybe a radio. Tune in to the to the footy on a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, just, just. Uh, I'm guessing I can't have a TV because I won't be able to plug it in anywhere. But I'm taking a little portable radio so I can listen to the football. Uh, oh, it's a tricky one. It's got a last on it. You take football, wouldn't you? I take I take two pillows. Cushiony. I'm not doing. I'm not doing a thin one pillow job. I'm having good <laughs> good night's sleep. Two two fat pillows. That's all you need is one pillow, Bryn. That's all you need. We're, we're going to be a neck. Good to be a neck, apparently. Yeah, oh. I, I'm with Jack on that. Paper thin. Yeah. Pillow based arguments here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah. Let's go for a footy. Let's try and let's try and let's try and hopefully get off this island by 2023 and, and at least come to trials. <laughs> Could then be like Brighty and just happen to be doing it in front of the camera. Oh, it's a camera there. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> who, who put that there? Oh, it was me. <laughs> go on then. Next number. Let's go for 14. 14. Um, <laughs> who from TDFC would you least like to be stuck in a lift with and why? Oh, that's a horrible question. Oh. That is cruel. That's a good <laughs> one, mate. Maybe I'll go, I'll go because it's also the person that I want to be stuck in a lift with. But it, if it was, it depending on how long it would be, I'm going to go for Scott. And, oh, uh, yeah. and, and I feel like he, he'd, he'd find little bits of the, the, the lift uh, and, he, and, he, and he'd do little video tours. <laughs> and, and first time round, I'd be absolutely loving it. And then 77th time round, maybe not. So I'm, I'm, I think he can take it. I'll say Scott. I think, I think. Scott's videos. Um, I know there'll be lots of people listening to this that haven't heard them. Scott and his videos are legendary. And when the he detail sends them, is amazing. Oh, <laughs> and, and when he, he does, doesn't, he doesn't miss one, a trick, does he? No, it's, it's actually quite upsetting when he goes somewhere and doesn't send one. I know, yeah. I know. No, it has to be mandatory. He signs one, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's then. Final question. Let's go for. Let's go right in. 32. 32. Um, what's your favourite television show? Oh. Should have prepared for this. Uh, can't prepare from Bryn. Oh. What is my favourite TV show? I do like Breaking Bad was a great series. Um, that's the first one that's springing yeah. to mind. Yeah, I'll, st I'll stick with that. Enjoyed that one. Quite quite heavy at times. Yeah, just but, just lost the whole day of my life, I think, playing yeah. through the last season and stuff. And I just was like, what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'd go for that. Brilliant. Jack, do you, Jack, I'm going to give you the opportunity. Yeah. I don't want you to miss out. Do you want to pick go a on. number? I'll go on then. Let's go uh, 11. 11. I was uh, going to go 20 for Arsenal's position in the league table, but I'll go 11. I'll go 11. 
Is that um, where they're likely to finish, Jack? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. But closer <laughs> to 20, if I'd say. I suppose yeah. if you go, if you go 11th... I'd bite your hand off for 11th. <laughs> you, you can then claim you finished mm. top of the bottom half, can't you? Do you know what? Top is top. Top well, is top somewhere, yeah. isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, question 11. Who would be your ideal three dinner guests? Oh, that's a good All at the same dinner. All at the same dinner. Oh. Yeah. Uh, start with, I'll probably go uh, football. But it'll all probably be football themed, to be honest. I think I'll go Arsene Wenger would be the first one, just because uh, I grew up watching uh, these great Arsenal teams. That'd be good to have him. Do you know what? They're all going to be Arsenal players. That's, 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 it's, I'm reminiscing about the good old times at the minute because we're doing so bad. But ben, I think I'd, 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 I'd love to, I'd love, oh, yeah. Uh, Again, I think we need another podcast for these discussions, PG. <laughs> but I'd, I, I'd go with Ray Parler. I think that guy's hilarious. I don't know why, I just think he, he's hilarious. And also, I'd probably go with Tony Adams. So I'd go, I'd go, I'd go very Arsenal themed at my dinner party. I think Tony Adams is a good shout. I think, I think I can just imagine this. I'd love to sit down and listen to the stories of some of these mm. pros from like the 90s and the 80s. It just sounds such a wild time but like when you read the autobiographies that some of these guys bring out it's just just a mad time oh, I'll tell you what another good shout would be actually I just remembered uh, previous guest on the podcast Gary Mother uh, I, I disappointed you didn't ex, have him first but ex-pro and type 1 diabetic well, that should have been first shouldn't it that is, uh, I forgot about that one who are you All kicking right. out then which one of those three are you kicking out uh, well, uh, uh, Wenger out Wenger out <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm sure, Jack, that was a chant that you were pulling off 10 years ago, wasn't it, that one? It, do you know what? It felt familiar, I gotta say. It rolled off the tongue. It rolled yeah. off the tongue. I uh, thought it might be. I thought uh, it might be. <laughs> yeah, definitely not the first time I've said that, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but what you would give to have him back, eh? What you would give to have him uh, back these days? Uh, 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 do you know what? At the minute, what I would give to have Big Sam in at Arsenal at the minute, let him bring her back. You know? yeah. At least he'll get uh, you out of the relegation zone. Um, exactly. Yeah. Well, lads, um, we've come to the end of the podcast. So we could, me and PG, we could sit here and talk all night to you, the pair of you. Obviously, we've got a, a close connection. We, we know each other well. So, um, I just wanted to say a huge thank you for joining us, um, sharing your stories of diagnosis, your of the experiences you've had at Diuro, um, obviously what you want to do and achieve now with TDFC London, and just giving us a, a real great insight into where you are at and and what's coming next, and um, obviously a, a great opportunity for us to all talk about you know the upcoming London Futsal League and um, just in general talk more about your your lives with type 1 diabetes so thank you so much for coming on really appreciate it and um good luck with tdfc london what, what's going to happen in the next you know six to seven weeks uh, we're all going to be watching we're all going to be supporting and i urge anybody listening to this podcast who are you know involved with the diabetes football community follows what we do watches what we do please do get behind them. If you're in London as well and you want to get behind the boys, please do reach out. We'll tell you where they're playing. We'll tell you what, you know, the, the timings of games, etc. And also if you want to help out in terms of supporting the project or getting involved in terms of playing, but um, yeah, wishing you all the best guys. I will be down. I'm sure at some point for one of those games uh, to help out, whether it's 
putting on my trainers for a, for a run out or whether it's on the sideline for a, a bit of coaching, but wishing you all the best for that. And um, thank you for coming and sharing everything that you have on the podcast. No problem, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having uh, cheers us. for having us and cheers, cheers for all your work with CDFC as well. Well, that's it for this episode. And we just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has tuned in. And don't forget to subscribe and follow the podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on. And whilst you're there, if you could rate and review us, that will help us and the show to reach more people. Whilst if you'd like to get in contact with us about any ideas or thoughts for the show, send us an email about the Diabetes Dugout to the Diabetes Football Community at gmail.com or head to the website www.thediabetesfootballcommunity.com for more information about our project. Thanks for joining us and tune in next time for more stories, inspiration and information about diabetes in football.